1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, today's holiday short comes from Lee who asks, I've read a lot of strategies of turning X into Y by recycling deposits, etc. And it all sounds great and all, but what I can't make sense of is that surely by refinancing in this way, on one hand, you get your deposit back, or at least in theory, but on the other, you're increasing borrowing and reducing your rental yields. Now, personally speaking, I'm an admirer, and advocate uh, and also an implementer of the BRR or Buy, Refurbish, Refinance strategy myself. However, there are some pros and cons to this model. And in particular, if you plan to continue with the refinancing after the first uh, the first set of refinancing to extract um, equity, as you shall hear. So let's hear Lee's story right now and uh, how, how I responded to the topic of refinancing to extract equity and the cost of yield or rental income uh, now.
0: Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter.
1: So this is what Lee had to say in his own words. Hi everyone, this is my first post on here, so go easy on me. Uh, hopefully we do. Uh, my business model is simply to buy one or two bedroom uh, buy select flats with good yields and potential for capital growth. I'm in the process of extended leasing, extended leases and renovation, which will increase the values. Then I plan to refinance, pull out cash, reinvest. You know the drill. And so that's commonly um, the BRR strategy that uh, Lee's just described there. I've read lots of strategies turning X into Y by recycling deposits etc and it all sounds great and all but what I can't make sense of is that surely by refinancing in this way on the one hand you get your deposit back at least in theory and on the other hand you're increasing borrowing and reducing your rental yields. Surely this is is bad long term if we keep refinancing to the point of our original nest egg turning into a non-profitable investment due to large fees. What are other investors doing at this stage? Do we sell or hold? Thanks in advance, Lee. So there you go. That's what Lee had to say. And I'll just, uh, I I kind of responded in two parts to him. So I'll just outline that now. And I'll, as usual, just try and embellish a little bit if I think it's helpful or relevant. Hi, Lee. Um, Here's what I do. I set a minimum return on cash investment after refinancing and the net monthly cash flow after all costs then I only refinance to the extent that I get to cover both of these hurdle rates. So I get over the return on uh, investment and I get over the minimum uh, net monthly cash flow after all costs, after I've refinanced. I won't refinance if I don't hit those two um, benchmarks effectively. But to the wider question, uh, this is where I'm perhaps going to go into something of a bit of a rant, but um, to, to the wider question of how far do you go with a refinancing strategy, as it's been mentioned a couple of times, uh, I hear it quite a lot, actually. I will share some of my views on this topic. A policy of constantly refinancing does sound very appealing, that's for sure, as it provides additional capital to help grow the portfolio further as more equity can be released as house prices grow. However, it can also be rickly, uh, sorry, rickly? <laughs> risky and reckless too, as you shall hear. First of all, HMRC will not let you offset any mortgage interest on the borrowings above the original purchase price of the property. So that's when the mortgage balance gets equal to or above the original purchase price of the property. So it's not the gross development cost, it's the original purchase price. So therefore it becomes less tax efficient once you refinance above the original purchase price. And it means you actually need to have even better returns when you refinance above the original purchase price in order to offset the tax drag that's going to come along because you can't offset any of the additional interest above the original purchase price. And that's just not even touching on some of the other tax changes that we're all aware that are out there. Second, if you listen to those that came unstuck during the last financial crisis, And these uh, cycles, uh, well, they're that. They're cyclical, so it will repeat itself again. um, Some say the 18-year cycle, economic cycle, property cycle. doesn't matter if it's 18 years or not. There are cycles, so it will be repeated. And and those whose affordability levels, and also those with higher loan-to-values, were the ones that got taken down. I've heard of people with hundreds of properties whose loans could still be serviced from the rents Yet still had their properties either forced to sell, uh, additional equity um, added in, so financial contribution to bring the loan to value down, or even repossessed, in which which case they lost everything. And if you don't believe me, just spend a few minutes actually reading the terms and conditions of one of your loan or buy-to-let mortgage agreements to see what nasty surprises are lurking in there. You might be a little bit shocked. Third, Apart from the compound growth effect, which does make some sense during the portfolio growth phase, also assuming you don't grow forever, if you are investing primarily for income, then it does rather defeat the purpose to then reduce your income, merely to add more to your uh, portfolio purely by taking on uh, greater debt. Now I have caveated that I'm saying if you're growing and you don't necessarily need the income in the short term, BRR the recycling strategy is very good at making your money work harder for you, um, and you, you sort of uh, you take some income along the way, but you don't take as much as you perhaps could have done. But you know you're deferring the issue. So if you don't need the income in the short term, BRR is quite good. But it just don't ignore some of the other warning signs that I'm actually flagging here, especially with constant refinancing. Fourth, the mortgage prisoner and tax hostage traps. If you find yourself in a position of needing to sell, and you know people say, I'm never going to sell, I'm going to hold this property forever. Um, but believe me, circumstances change. Illness can strike, uh, you could face lending issues, uh, high interest rates could force your hand, etc, etc. We cannot predict the future. Uh, tell me somebody who can, and I'll. Show, oh, well, I'll call you i li- I'll call them a liar, probably. But uh, you cannot 100% predict the future. You can predict some trends, but definitely not exactly what's going to happen, especially not in our own lives, or even in the in the world around us. But if you uh, if your mortgage is above the original purchase price by a sufficient enough degree, the capital gains tax bill might not be covered from the net equity that you realise at the time of selling. Uh, and that will be, you know, more likely in a, in a downturn when you possibly need to sell the most. Equally, if you want to remortgage and are constantly at, say, 75%, then a 10% drop in house prices will mean you would be unable to remortgage and maintain the same uh, mortgage debt level. Both of these issues could be very uncomfortable and costly to manage through. So that's the uh, the mortgage uh, prisoner and tax hostage uh, traps are kind of similar. Um, The negative equity trap can also come into play uh, if you're forced to sell or need to sell or need to remortgage during a downturn. So, yeah, there's kind of a couple of watchwords there. So I'm building a bit of a picture here, as you can probably gather. Fifth, is the potential for a squeeze on rents and so on debt serviceability too or mortgage serviceability too? I guess you could have the perfect storm of high interest rates and low rental inflation, which could give rise to a squeeze on the cash flow of the portfolio at the same time. Add to this the aggressive uh, tax changes, such as section 24, and you might find yourself underwater quite quickly. I mean, have you actually worked out how much interest rates would need to rise before your net cash flow disappears? It's not actually as much as you might think with highly leveraged properties at least. Sixth, unforeseen external events. So we've talked about some uh, unforese- of, excuse me, unforeseen circumstances in our own life, such as illness and, and you know other changes of circumstance. Uh, this is really more referring about external events. Uh, it could be policy changes that could affect, uh, affect us. For example, nobody expected the 3% stamp duty premium, nor the Section 24 mortgage interest relief restriction, nor the removal of fair wear and tear allowance, nor the punitive capital gain tax uh, approach to property investors versus other asset classes, but they, and indeed far more besides, all happened. And so they can all affect us adversely, including to our existing portfolio in many cases, because Section 24 is retrospective, regardless of what people say. It affects our existing portfolio, therefore it's retrospective. What we did um, when we bought properties in the past is now being affected by these new rules, is what I mean. So what's next? Well it could be rent controls, could be section 24 for companies, it could be wealth taxes, there could be a no deal Brexit etc etc. In reality I don't really know either if I'm honest with you but that's exactly why it's better to adopt a sensible approach to lending in my view. So here's my policy which for some is still considered to be and seen as adventurous. So with a BRR strategy, I refinance up to the original purchase price of the property or occasionally up to the gross development cost only. The gross development cost includes your costs and fees and works and that sort of thing on top. So it's usually higher than the um, purchase price of the property. Um, But bear in mind what I said about mortgage interest restrictions. So it kind of gets a bit fiddly once you get above the, uh, the original purchase price. But then I let the uh, loan to value fall naturally over time to a more comfortable level. So if I've refinanced to 75% uh, loan to value and that's then equivalent to the original purchase price of the property, I've kind of gone fairly high leverage to moderately high leverage there. But I'm just going to let that slide over time. I'm not going to be tempted to uh, remortgage and take more equity out of that property uh, thereafter. I will then reinvest the limited uh, cash or profit that's been released into new projects, which will allow a more manageable growth strategy. And um, of course, you know, as I'm letting the uh, loan-to-value fall on some of the older properties, the average loan-to-value on the portfolio is starting to fall as well. And I'm hedging the risks in a variety of ways as well, such as having multiple lenders, which makes it harder for any one of them to grab you where it hurts or different investment locations, whether that's an area, a town, a region in this country or even different countries. If you've listened to me, you know that I adopt that approach. Um, Different strategies. So strategy for income, strategy for growth, different uh, trading strategies as opposed to an investment strategy, for example. I take after the original refinancing now with BRR some people do it immediately so they'll do the project they'll um, and they'll refinance within say six months maybe they'll pay cash maybe they'll use bridging finance refinance within six months that's one model. Another flavour is to refinance say after a couple of years so you just take a buy to let mortgage initially and then you refinance after a couple of years just maybe take a two year fixed rate that's another flavour. Um, so refinance at that point in time um, and um so I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> that's amazing. But then, oh, no, sorry, that's what I'm saying. The second refinancing... Uh, or the point of refinancing to take a long-term fixed-rate mortgage at that time. So five years or more is what I'm talking about there. Two or three-year fixed rates still provide some risk in my point of view, in my opinion. Uh, for example, interest rates could rise quite quickly. Uh, then there's the cost of refinancing. So there's a lot of cost involved in refinancing. So bite the bullet, go five years. Yes, it might you might pay a slightly higher rate, but you'll have financial security for a period of time, which will also allow rent, uh, time for rental uh, increases to accumulate but have at least one property with a low or no debt on it i know that's going to be hard when you start or when you're growing but as you start to just you know think about that maybe maybe you can start to bring one down maybe have a repayment mortgage maybe over overpayments on one property to get that one down and it's amazing that'll be a get out of jail free card at some point in the future but equally have a contingency fund have some money set aside Have you got, could you cope with a replacement roof on a terraced house if you needed to replace it? Could you pay for a lease extension on a flat of 25,000 pounds or more if you needed to extend it and you couldn't get mortgaging without doing so? Not many people have this money set aside, so start to build your contingency fund. And that's why I always recommend having a provision uh, coming out of rental income to set aside for this contingency fund. Don't rely on remortgaging to pull out money. Don't put it on uh, you know, consumer debt like credit cards, if at all possible. But equally, have multiple income streams. I've talked about this last week, so perhaps revisit the um, podcast episode from last week to get a a view of what these multiple income streams could look like. It could be income from employment, it could be um, dividend income or interest income, it could also be other businesses, etc. But equally, diversify across different uh, asset classes. When I started in property, I was pretty much all in to property, uh, barring a bit of a pension. Uh, but as I've grown, I've also spread a little bit into different asset classes as well. So uh, it's been, it would be tempting to, to go all in on property forever, but I've just started to diversify my interest into different asset classes as I've gone along. So I have that discipline perhaps to do that. You start, I recognize, you've got one lump of money and then you've got to use it. But as it grows, perhaps, you know, start to diversify a little bit. And allow an average loan to value across the, uh, my entire portfolio. So as I mentioned, um, I'm perhaps refinancing maybe up to 75% loan to value, uh, which might be equivalent to the original purchase price for a property. If I've added value, of course, that's how I get the uh, equity that's still in the property. But then I'll let it you know, drop naturally, the loan to value that is, over time, hopefully as house prices increase. And so, I've got a mixture of loan to values in my portfolio. Some of the older ones are starting to drop down now. So, it brings my average down. And the point of this is that, um, on average, if there was a 20% drop in house prices, I don't think we've seen 20% in a single year, but over a couple of years, 2008, 2009, we got close to that definitely. Um, if there was that sort of level of drop in house prices, you know, if I've got an average loan to value of, let's say, 60%, then I should be able to absorb overall across the entire portfolio, uh, that 20% drop in house prices. And when I say absorb, it's not just uh, being able to service the debt, it's also being able to remortgage And sometimes it's just having, uh, read regional lender terms and conditions. They may have a clause which says something like, you need to have a minimum 75% or whatever percentage you took um, loan to value or a minimum of 25% equity in your property or in your facility or across your portfolio. Otherwise, we're going to ask you to top it up or we're going to invite you to sell the property or we're going to take it off you. That's what happened literally to some people during the last crash. So that's why I adopt the approach that I do. But in summary, um, an aggressive and repeating refinancing model can indeed be extremely tempting, but also extremely dangerous at the same time under the, under the right set of circumstances. And when the market is buoyant, everybody's piling in, they're refinancing and they're spending or reinvesting the cash. But each summer is followed by a winter and some winters can be brutally harsh. Okay, so as you can tell, this is something I thought about quite a fair bit, and it worries me how some investors do not really consider or even know many of these points. So um, I've tried to get some out of there and, uh, and make, make people more aware. There's some people who feel the fear... And do it anyway. Of course, that's one of the mantras. So yeah, they're aware of it and they're just doing it and perhaps recognizing the risk, but taking those risks anyway. But sometimes when you bravely rise above the barricades and charge into battle, you do actually end up getting shot. Okay, off for a cup of tea now is how I finished and signed off that message uh, for Lee. But there you go. That's the end of another holiday short. I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to have another one coming up next week or not. You'll just have to wait and see. But as a reminder, the show notes can be found over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net, or if you want to talk about anything from today's show, just talk about property investing more generally, you know you can email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. But once again, all I want to say is thank you very much once again for listening to the Property Voice podcast this week. And until next time, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today.
0: Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.